It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstel. And welcome to Car con Carne. I'm James Van Alstel. Still doing this from home. It is a car-based podcast. By definition, it's a car-based podcast. But, you know, the, the Delta variant's a thing. Corona's still a thing. And the, the enthusiasm in strangers to sit in the front seat of my car, eating pizza, sharing tacos, pretty low. Same with me, to share that space with strangers. And the optics are perhaps not so good. So for now, Carcon Carne back here from home. This is episode number 667 Holy crap. And as this is happening, uh, the sister podcast of Car Con Carne, the music of Chicago, just launched episode number four. It is a podcast with music. And I know what you're saying. Podcasts don't have music. And that is generally true because of copyright law. And you can't share someone else's copyrighted content in a mechanical download, which is what a podcast is. However, all the contributors to the music of Chicago podcast are the music license holders, and they have testified as such to the music of Chicago via a sign-up form on carconcarne.com. All the music is provided generously by the people who created it, and it is all independent music from Chicago, the music of Chicago podcast, episode four, available on all the platforms. You can also link to it from carconcarne.com because they're sisters and stuff. Speaking of music here on this podcast, my guest tonight, oh, this is exciting. Here we go. Uh, my guest tonight is Camille Rose Garcia. She is a, she's a punk. She's also a fantastic artist uh, who, whose, whose portraits are just dark fairy tale, super colorful things. But before we talk about your artwork, and I want to share your artwork, Camille, I want to talk about your artwork. I want to talk about your past. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you nostalgic for the past from, from your days playing, playing in a band, doing the real minx? Yeah, I am. Actually, um, I remember at the time because I, I actually I had already graduated from art school and been through grad school, like the whole like six years of that. And I got out. It was 94, maybe. And I just wanted to play music. That's all I wanted to do. And, you know, the way the the real minks came together was very organic. And I remember at the time, like sometimes you have that moment where you're like, I'm never going to have this moment. Like, this is the time to do it when I'm, when I'm this age, because whatever life I might do, you know, something else or painting or whatever. But um, I remember having that thought at the time of like, yeah, this is, we're doing it. And this is the time to be doing it, you know? So for context, the real minks music's been collected in a gorgeous two disc, seven inch package on sympathy for the record industry. Music from the 90s. Now, I, I remember coming up in Chicago in the 1990s. I don't think I had that that sense. I knew things were awesome, but I didn't have that. I wasn't cognizant of the fact that it was a moment like it was going to yeah. the, it was going to be one of those moments that people would pine for decades down the road. But you, you were completely self-aware as you were doing your thing. I think I was self. I grew up uh, in high school with a lot of musicians. They were a little older than me. Um and a lot of different cool bands that uh, had various demises, you know, drugs, family, whatever, uh, breakups in the band. Um, so that was before I ever went to college. And I remember thinking at the time, uh, wow, yeah, it's really hard to keep a band together. And it's even harder to keep a band together that's good, you know, because a lot of bands 
will stay together a long time. Maybe they're not that great, but they like playing and that's its own reason to do it as well. Um, so I think I did have that kind of thought of like, okay, it's rare to meet people that you can play music with, that you have a lot of fun with and you have the same taste and, you know, none of them are like psycho bipolar drug addict pill heads thief you know what i mean like all the things that all the things so let's let's talk about the trajectory of the sure. real minks okay. uh, for those for, for those who don't know the band this was a, a west coast this was a orange county band yes back, back in the 90s how long were you together we were together um I feel like between two and three years, the first year was a lot of, um, we didn't play a show, I think, until we were t playing for about a year. Um, I had I had played in a band before in high school, but I, it wasn't consistent. So we were all sort of like learning together. We, you know, learning the chops. Um, and then after, yeah, after about a year, it was like, okay, no, we, we're getting like this, this is starting to work. And um, so we started playing shows and that was, from the time we started playing shows, it might have been about two years. Yeah. Now, was there ever a goal at that time to get a big record deal? I, back in the 90s in Chicago, it seemed like everyone was getting record contracts. Like bands would walk out of the garage one day and they'd be signed to Sony the next day. Was that ever on your radar? Or were you just like, fuck it, we're punk rock? This is. Yeah, it was more fuck it, we're punk rock. Um, it was never really a goal. We never even talked about that, I think, because. Um, you know, I had a different trajectory for my career, which is going into the fine art world, um, which proved to be very frustrating at that time. Um, we were all working different jobs. Lynn worked uh, at um, Revelation Records. She was involved with music. Allie worked there too. Uh, and Paula, um, yeah, we all worked at the same coffee shop, you know, but, you know, it was more of just like, um, from the perspective of like, this is a great, like, this is something we all want to do and it's really fucking fun. Sorry. I don't know if I can. I, I think I swore first. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and we wanted to keep it rolling and we wanted to play shows. And it was really like, the thing I love about music most is that um, it's collaborative and it's, it's, it's um, immediate and it, um, it's sort of ephemeral as well. So you know, when you want that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm going to, this is, I'm nervous and I'm excited and I don't know what's going to happen, you know, like be in a band and play live shows because it's the best feeling, you know? Uh, so we didn't ever, I don't think we had the idea that we were going to, you know, be on some record label or, or go for the gold there. It was more like, can we sing and play guitar at the same time, you know? So tell me about what this seven inch compilation is. Tell me about these recordings. So this is so cool because we um, we recorded, you know, in the early 90s, we had a, little, a set, you know, we had like about 10 songs. We selected a few to record with uh, our friend Mike McHugh, who I didn't realize how good he was really until much later because I didn't know anything about recording music. Like I said, I hung out with bands, but not recording, you know, like in the studio. Um and back then you couldn't really watch a bunch of YouTubes about like, how do you do it? What do you do? Uh, so he, everything analog, um, you know, onto quarter inch tape and, uh, you know, basically I, I did all the vocals in the first take because I just didn't think I was like, well, that sounds great to me. Like 
it didn't occur to me to do it over and over. Uh-huh. So all the vocals on this record are, are the first take. Um, and yeah, so basically we recorded those. We put out one little single, which is two songs. Uh, we did that ourselves, but you know, at the time we were all broke. We didn't have, I mean, I barely had $5, mm-hmm. you know, to my name really. Um, so we kind of, we put out the little single and then, we kind of sat on the recordings uh, and we thought, you know, maybe we'll do something with it in the future. Um, and then just various life things. Like I moved to LA and Lynn moved to LA and we both had really old crappy cars. We couldn't drive to Orange County for practice and play shows and work 40 hour week job, you know, what ha- those things that happen. So basically Paula kept the recordings, Paula, who's the guitar player, singer, she kept everything intact and free from ruin or rain or mold or anything. She kept all the posters we did. She archived everything. I was going to say every band has it has its own archivist. Yes. Paula's the archivist, because I was like, I never knew what happened to, you know, I was like, I don't know what state those things are in. And so how we ended up on sympathy for the record industry is long gone John who, who owns sympathy for the record industry. Uh, he's a big art collector and he's a big collector of mine. And he always was interested in, in the real minks and he loves girl bands. He loves women fronted bands. So he had put one of our songs on, um, all right, this time, just the girls volume two. He, there's two volumes of that record. So we were on that and he always was asking me like, oh, well, did you guys record anything else? And do you have those tapes? And I was like, yeah, we did record them. I don't know where the tapes are, you know. And so by chance, um, Paula lives in Seattle. John lives in Olympia, Washington. I was doing a book signing in, I think it was 2019 up in Seattle and John came up and Paula came to my signing. So I was like, oh my God, John, here's Paula, meet Paula. She knows about the tapes, like where they are. Do we have them? And it was great. Like she was like, yeah, I kept them. I have to, you know, she had to do some process where you get them, I think like baked. So the the tape doesn't stay Mm -hmm. sticky. Um, And, you know, he was like, okay, let's figure it out. You know, and hear them. And it was just, it was so cool because I had not heard most of those songs that we did in like over 20 years. And when I heard them, I realized like, Oh, these were actually recorded really well. And it's so cool to have that kind of like, like the one take and, uh, you know, we all played in the room together and that kind of thing. Um, Wasn't a lot of like overdubs, all that stuff that you can do now, like endless changes. None of that was happening. So it's a very like raw recording of like a moment in time of, an obscure girl bands from Orange County in the nineties. It does it feel weird or surreal to be talking to, to be doing interviews about the band this far ahead in the future? Yeah, it totally does. Um, but I'm kind of so I ca- I kept kind of coming back to music after the minks, like in between or you know shows, like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy another bass. I want to get something together. Um, and it's just been hard to really you know do anything consistently uh since then but yeah when it kind of came together i was already having the thought of like you know there's no reason to not play music if you're older if you're female if you have kids if you have a day job like there's just 
you know, it doesn't matter if you love to play music, play music, you know? So, um, yeah, me and Paul have been kind of talking about like, you know what, we should, we should write me, we should write some songs again because we didn't realize at the time, like how well our voices work together. You know, we both sing, you know, it, on a lot of the songs together and, uh, you know, you just realize how rare it is to find something that works so well. And I guess 20 years later, it's like, okay, now I know. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. the pressure is kind of off. If you, if you start doing more or reconvening the real mix, when you, you have your proverbial daytime pursuits, I mean, you can really just do it for the love of the game. Right. Just- exactly. And that's like, there really is nothing more freeing for creative pursuits than if you don't have to monetize it, you know? Amen. Yeah. Amen. And so this is like, we don't have to monetize it. We don't have to try to get on a major label. We don't have to do any of those things. Um, I don't have any expectations of ever making money from rock and roll. And, you know, I don't think anyone else does either. But in a way, it keeps it the most honest and fun. You know, the For second sure. kind of trying to like, even with art, it's difficult sometimes, like what I want to paint versus what might sell well. You know, there's always those considerations. But um, yeah, for art, there's always a lot of pressure, like, oh, it's my career. You know, this like, it's always really important, you know, and not that music isn't, but um, music is sort of like my free fun space, you know. Well, so the the seven inch compilation, uh, no surprise, it looks cool. The packaging is fantastic. I, I would expect nothing less. The inner, even like the inner label, the 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 circular inner label, uh, looks like something very classically like nineteen fifties and old school and cool. It's yeah. just uh, there. There's a poster included. There's a button. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's an odd. So where did where do people go to to get a hold of this? So um, you can get it from my web store, which is. Camille Rose Garcia. What is it? <laughs> CamilleRoseGarcia.com. You just click on the link that says store, but it's like CamilleRoseGarciaStore.BigCartel.com. So I have them on there and that one comes with the special sign poster and the button. You can get them. Now I'm not sure. So sympathy doesn't really have like a mail order thing in place right now. Um, so I'm not sure like what stores are carrying the single, you know, like a, a indie record store. I'm not sure of that information. So, well, I, I think this is a fine excuse to go to your website and see all the sure. other stuff you do yeah. because we're going to get into that too. Uh, yeah. But what, what a cool package. And could you have ever imagined back in the nineties when the band started that in 2021, you'd be talking about vinyl releases like, Oh yeah, not at bananas. all. Right. I mean, it's bananas. And I love it because I, you know, I mean, growing up with records, like that was just the best format to be able to put it on and like, listen to it the whole way through. I mean, I still don't really, I don't do Spotify. It kind of annoys me. I don't like any interruptions, you know, the, like the record. I don't want a commercial. Well, you know, what bugs me with all the streaming services, the algorithms are always wrong. The recommendation engines never work for me. There, no. Nothing has compared up until now with the recommendations of my friends or the yeah. people I know, nothing yeah. has even matched. The robots that. are not going to figure you out the way that your friends will. That's for sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the website, CamilleRoseGarcia.com. Yeah. That's where you can go to get this cool compilation from the real minks. 
Yeah. But when you're there, if you if you're coming there for the music, oh my God, guess what you're gonna find? You're gonna find some fantastic artwork because you are a celebrated artist, uh, book publisher, author. You've done all kinds of cool shit. Um, I, I mentioned dark fairy tales earlier. That's kind of the way I see what you do: dark fairy tales and glorious color. How would you describe your style? Yeah, it is sort of like uh, psychedelic kind of. Um, yeah, psychedelic fairy tale. I use a lot of uh, sim symbolism in the work that has been sort of layered over time, maybe with Disney, maybe with early cartoons, maybe with, you know, um, I don't know, just a lot of like pop culture kind of references. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Uh, it's, a, it's a really distinct singular vision. You, you see you. your artwork and like, you know who that artist is. You know what that artist that artist mind like you it's a very singular approach and i love it can oh, i share can i share oh, of some course. of your images of Certainly. I, I i grabbed some things from camille rose garcia.com okay and i wanted to just get your get some background like sure. where your head was at what what inspired it where we can find this sort of thing oh and yeah this is like that, a pop quiz <laughs> it is but it's about you so you're going to ace it that, that's Maybe. the beautiful thing i can remember some things it's like what what I don't remember making that piece. Like seriously. Mm -hmm. oh, wait, hang on. Let me do this. Okay. I think I need to stop recording. Uh huh. In order okay. to share the screen. There we go. Okay. It's been a while since I've did I've done this. You know, you, you think I'm never gonna after you have to use Zoom again. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> know how to share the screen. <laughs> or I would. Oh, you know, I can't even grab this stuff. Even oh. Oh, damn it. Sorry. That's okay. This is like a rookie move. Uh, no, I haven't, no. it's I, I haven't done the screen share for a while. Sorry yeah. about that. Oh wait, maybe, okay. maybe, maybe. Oh, tricks. Maybe some tricks. Maybe. Yeah. yeah no, no tricks. All right, I thought I could. Anyway, that's all right. What what we would be doing right now is showing some really cool images. Uh, I do want to talk about one in particular because. Actually, two in particular that I was going to show tonight. Sure. Um, the first being the Snow White Black Lagoon. So it's it's kind of twisted. There are rabbits. There's Snow White. I, I there butterfly. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> I love watching your face trying to describe <laughs> it. So that show, uh, that show I did. Um, after the Gulf oil spill, which was in, I don't know, 2012 or 13 or something. Um, and what I was doing is I wanted to sort of take a uh, fairy tale Snow White and see if I could layer it on top of um, sort of some current things that were happening. So all of my work is really about um, kind of the intersection of nature and culture and that uncomfortable balance we try to keep while preser preserving our world, but, you know, having commerce and capitalism and all the things that, you know, keep everything moving at this pace, right? So that painting, uh, I wanted to use the figure of Snow White as this sort of, um, I guess, like a savior figure. Uh, so she has all these animals that she's sort of trying to help. She has like an alligator wrapped around her, mm -hmm. a white alligator that she's sort of pulling out of the swamp and trying to, to rescue in a way. Um, and part of that is like, reading fairy tales and kind of trying to decipher their meaning. And I've read a lot about fairy tales and every book that's 
sort of trying to decipher fairy tales or unravel has a little bit of a different take, but you'll find that um, certain fairy tales or certain symbols come up across different cultures. So in Snow White, um, there's like the magic mirror and uh, the dwarves, and those are all things that come up in this uh, Mayan tale as well, um, involving a magic mirror and dwarves. And dwarves traditionally are, uh, they represent like going into the earth and pulling out the jewels. So the sort of like mining thing, but about like, you know, the sort of the dark underbelly in the earth. So there's all kinds of fascinating things um, about fairy tales that you can find out. Um, so for this one, I liked the idea of Snow White being this sort of, well, she's sort of a symbol of purity, but I liked it in this other way of the just like sort of pure nature. So this like sort of savior figure you know, I love that. Yeah. And again, Camille Rose Garcia is where we can see exactly what we're talking about here. The other one I wanted to ask you about, I I don't know anyone who's not a huge David Bowie fan and you've got, Hey, Starman, right? This is classic Ziggy Stardust era, early 1970s Bowie glam with the eye patch. Obviously you're a fan. Oh, oh yeah. Huge, huge. I mean, I listen to David Bowie and the Rolling Stones and T-Rex probably on the daily in the studio. Um, and I don't usually do like celebrity portraits, but when he passed away, you know, I was listening to everything for a few days and I just started, I just started drawing his face and, um, and I had this painting. So I, I think the one you're looking at is a smaller, maybe watercolor mm-hmm. on paper. I have a bigger painting that I did of him um, that's called Fade Into the Dark Stars. And that one, I had this painting started and it was like, it had all this sort of like green and purple and plants and I had nothing in the center. I didn't have, uh, I didn't know what I was gonna do with this painting yet. So he passed away and I was doing all these David Bowie drawings and studies and I looked over and I was like, oh my God, no, he like, he get he, he's he got to go on that painting. I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna do a portrait. Like I don't, normally do them just but I, I just I just wanted to um and you well, know you made I, it very very much you I mean you, yeah, it's, yeah. it's you, definitely your spin your take yeah on Bowie and because Bowie is Bowie uh he means so many different things and can be interpreted and so, there's no wrong way to portray David Bowie there's, no you no. can never be too surreal with him or too left of center because that's just he that's what he would have wanted yeah, and he's kind of beyond human. He really does enter the state of being uh, being a, like a god or a myth or something. So he's sort of, he's easy to work with in the iconography of the work I already do. You know, he sort of represents the masculine and the feminine yeah. and, and music and Orpheus and, you know, all these great kind of symbols, you know. Most importantly, your favorite Bowie album. Oh, um, oh God. Oh, this is hard. Um, okay, so it's a toss-up between um, uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, and then what's the other one? That, th- th- there's three in a row from the '70s that are like his those first those iconic. So it's like Hunky Dory. Um, Hunky Dory. Um, well, oh, the Berlin trilogy, which would be Low Heroes Lodger. No. Or then there's Di- Diamond Dogs, Young Americans, Station to Station. No, hold on, I'm I- gonna have to my iTunes because I yeah I have like. 
but yeah, <laughs> probably Ziggy started with the spiders from Mars. But I'm like, okay, wait, which which one's Queen Bitch on? Like that. Oh, that, that's Hunky Dory. It, yeah, that's Hunky Dory. That's oh, that fantastic. So great. Yeah, I mean, so I don't. Yeah, it's hard to decide because I love that guitar yeah. on Queen yeah. Bitch. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. I have a live version that's like in like 1970 in LA, and they're like totally hopped up on cocaine. They're in Hollywood, like, but it's so great, like. <laughs> amazing yeah all right so to take it back to you the real minx lives again yeah right a, a, a rising phoenix like from the ashes re <laughs> yeah. reclaiming uh their piece of punk rock history sympathy for the record industry has pressed this onto glorious gorgeous seven inch vinyl and if you buy the, the the package you get a poster and a button and it's cool and it's awesome that is available on camillerosegarcia.com we yeah. started to talk about the artwork uh you're certainly at this point more well known for art than you are the real minks although that could change whoa that'd be cool <laughs> uh but you're certainly known as you're a celebrated artist and uh just illustrator and just visual creator we can see your stuff we can buy your stuff on camillerosegarcia.com and it really it's 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 a feast for the senses camille go yeah, on your website <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot yes <laughs> i'm not uh, a minimalist no no. no, 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 no. All right. No. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to kill the Facebook live. Stay right there. Thank you everybody okay. for watching, listening, whatever it is you're doing with this. We appreciate it. Thanks.